Blog Talk Radio. Sorry, we'll have to start over, looks like. Uh, it's July 23rd, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight I'm joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone enjoyed this past week and you had lots of fun and stayed safe in this holiday season. Uh, Moving on, uh, last week we had a tribute to a sister from the Louisville Ford Operations we did not mention her name last week because we wanted to give proper, make sure proper notification next to Ken was done because we had very early notice on this passing of this woman, our sister. Uh, we'd like to say uh, our condolences to the family, friends, and co-workers of Donna Christmas, and we here at Working for a Living are sad at her passing. She was a beloved member at the Louisville site and was also a member of the Eastern Star. So condolences to everyone. Also, sadly, our UAW sister, Teresa J. Dodge, a member with 42 years of active service at Local 598, passed away on July 15, 2017. Teresa was a tireless an extraordinary researcher who disseminated valuable worker information daily to thousands of members on Facebook. Teresa regularly contributed information to this radio show. Though she opposed being openly identified on the show, we would often thank the leader of our research team. But beyond all of that, Teresa Dodge was a dear friend to all of the members of this team, and I, for one, will miss the Sunday morning messages or calls offering the latest news, always with the underlying thread that you, the listeners and members, deserve the very best. May we please observe a moment of silence for Sisters Donna Christmas and Sister Teresa J. Dodge, one of the best union members I have ever known. Thank you.
on to our announcements. I'll tell you something. I just want to take a second. You have no idea the outpouring of love and respect for this woman that we got this past week. I just want everybody to know that. This woman did a lot for our union. She had a lot of detractors. But believe me, a lot of you, and thank you all for your comments, emails, etc. A lot of you revered her, and thank you for that. All right. Uh, announcements. Remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for everyone. And tomorrow, there is a scheduled Medicare for All March, July 24th, on the West Lawn of the Capitol from 3 to 7. Second announcement, Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Announcement number three, Team Working for a Living Caucus continues to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Michigan Building Trades against the legislation introduced to repeal Michigan's prevailing wage. Announcement number four, GM says it may eliminate up to six cars from the lineup. More on that later in the show. Uh, announcement number five, update on Janice versus Ask Me. Last week I reported that the uh, Supreme Court has not taken up the case. That's true. However, they have now extended the time for amicus briefs from July 10th to August 11, 2017. This bears close watching. Very, very dangerous if they take it up and rule against Ask me. This would decimate public service unions. So let's watch that close. Announcement number six. In the latest battle by the AFL-CIO, national AFL-CIO, over the NLRB appointees, the Senate committee has given the green light to both, both Republicans, Marvin Kaplan and William Emanuel. That's by the committee so far. Uh, announcement number seven, Ford reported a profit plunge of 35% from the first quarter. Announcement number seven, the mayor of Brook Park is suing Ford to get access to 250 acres of unused land. Announcement number nine, Team Working for a Living was very pleased to help the Teamsters New York pension plan by asking our followers and listeners to comment by midnight last Monday and to listen to a conference call yesterday. While it's unclear just how many extra comments were made, nearly 1,000 members visited our workingforaliving.com support page to get instructions as to how best to help our sister union, the Teamsters. Best wishes in your quest to save your pensions over there. We may soon face such a pension quest ourselves here in the UAW. Announcement number 10. It's reported that on July 31st, 2017, that Ford Flat Rock Assembly will begin shifts of uh, four tens. With few exceptions, please check to see if you are one of those exceptions. That's the end of the announcements this week. Uh, email, uh, we have three. 
first one. Leroy, thank you, and kudos to your entire team of freedom fighters and champions of the middle class. From MJ in Michigan. MJ, it's comments like you that make us get up every morning, go to our desk, and work tirelessly to aid and assist the membership in a positive way and to bring you the news and this reports on this show. Thank you very much from the entire team. Now it's number two. Uh, thank you for informing us. We will miss Teresa Dodge and her very informative posts. That came from many emails from across the country. And again, thank each and every one of you, and Teresa will be missed. I missed her this morning, actually. Uh, announcement, or email number three. Uh, thank you for last week's comment and moment of silence for uh, Louis, Louisville sister Donna Christmas. Even though you didn't say her name out of respect for her family, we all knew who you were referencing. That's from EB in Kentucky. Uh, we, we try to do the best when somebody leaves us prematurely and uh, suddenly in a, in a way that sometimes is unexplainable. So uh, thank you for that, that kind email. We, we, we do it when we can. We can't do it for everybody, as you obviously know, but when we can, we try. Uh, uh, next, up next is uh, this week in Workers' News, but let's first... <laughs> have this week's quote, and uh, as you might imagine, uh, we're featuring Sister Teresa Dodge this week. So uh, she's had a, she had a quote, and she told it to a lot of people, and including uh, Matt. And you know who you are, Matt. And I actually took your your uh, comment. I hope you don't mind in reference to our our sister. Um, quote. Every day a member gets up and has the chance to make a different choice, end quote. That means when you get up, members, you have what you have now, but you have a chance to make a different choice, to try and make it better. Some people try to offer you a different choice, and that's up to you. Again, Teresa Dodge quoted to me and, and others, obviously, but it was easy to pick pick off the, uh, the Internet and use it today, but uh, I've heard it many times myself, and I'm sure others have. quote is, every day a member gets up and has the chance to make a different choice. Thank you, Teresa Dodge, for your wisdom. Let me bring on our co-hosts. We'll start with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? Pretty good. Doing pretty good. You know, been sad this week. Uh, sure. We've had uh, our sister left us, and, uh, you know, it, you know, you, you move on, but it still pops up, and, you, you know, when you have a moment to actually sit and talk about and revere her, it's, uh, it's, it still brings up, you know, those emotions of loss, and friendship and the fondness that you had for this sister. I only met her three times, but uh, uh, in person. But we had a lot of phone calls over the time. She and I were colleagues with yet another brother that I can't uh, 
uh, go, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, state that uh, I'm sure he's feeling the same emotions that I am, uh, only probably in a little different way. So condolences especially to our third colleague. Thank you for everything that you did for our relationship, the three of us. Much appreciated, and it's not lost that came up this morning. So that's all I'm doing, Jeff. Hi. How's your neck of the woods doing this week? Um, hot. It's very hot and humid here down here in Down River. Um, yeah. I didn't know Teresa very well. I've read a lot of her posts that she put on different what Facebook pages. But what I I liked about her was remember back last December, one of our first shows in the summer, when they had a big Snowstorm while we're doing the show from Lansing on right. down here. Um, right. During the show, we she sent us some breaking news out of Lansing, and that was that the uh, GOP in the State House and Senate passed the no protest laws or you cannot legally cross a block picket line anymore. Um, that's how fast she was looking for information to give out to the members. And I remember that very clearly that night. We were shocked that this happened on a late Sunday afternoon in the middle of a snowstorm. Um, she she meant a lot to a lot of people. So we will miss her. Thanks, Jeff. That, that's really nice and kind of you. And uh, it's a nice you know, thing to have remembered uh, about her in a positive way that she, uh, you know, was so uh, generous in, in uh, informing all of us, uh, and we certainly do uh, appreciate uh, all that she did. So thanks for that. Uh, bring on, uh, let's bring on David. Hi, David. How are you doing? Good, Larry. How are you and Jeff tonight? Oh, pretty good. You know, good day. You know, it is what it is. You heard what I had to say. And how are you doing? Um, I'm okay. Kind of heartbroken. Yeah. Um, Teresa was a very valuable UAW member. Um, She brought a lot of good information to everyone, including all of us. Oh. really can't talk about it. You're right. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I mean, you know, it's quite a, quite a loss for us here. I mean, we, we did uh, rely on her a lot and, you know, she was, she was always there, you know, in, encouraging us, you know, to be the absolute best we can be for the membership. And, and that's, you know, that's well appreciated. So thank you, David. Uh, having said all of that, and we've gotten through the uh, uh, quote of the week, I think Jeff is up uh, on with his report. Uh, Jeff, you want to go ahead and, and uh, start your report? Yeah, for, for those listeners who have been paying attention to our show all this year, 2017, it seems like every Sunday night I've been educating the members on our election process at 10 local 3,000. I have brought up 
many times about um, certain candidates who are who held office and were running for office who have been convicted of a felony. That felony being of a uh, drug possession charge. Um, we filed an appeal to UAW International. We found all this history on iChat and we emailed it to or not emailed, we emailed it to Dennis Williams, president of the UAW. I also contacted the Department of Labor and explained the situation to them. And that was just two days before our election on June 5th. Well, two or three weeks ago, we found out that that person was removed from office, violating our Constitution and breaking the law. We thought that was the end of the story. We, that's, we, we fight for what is right. And if you did something wrong, we'll correct you. We'll come after you about it. Well, yesterday morning, three of us from local people who have been painting their ass receives registered letters saying that he is bringing charges up against us. But what he fails to understand is that he violated the Constitution. He violated the Department of Labor uh, 508, 504, uh, one and two. He was removed by the international, I believe, would check me into it. If he, he's claiming that we recorded a false statement toward him. Now, if we submitted false information, he wouldn't have been removed. We know what we're doing. And we deal with the right for the membership. Now, there's a lot, of, a lot of members of Local 3000 who are upset with me. I don't care. I did the right thing. I will continue to do the right thing until they put me six foot under. Um, he, he even posted on one of our local 3,000 pages that, yes, he made a mistake, and he learned from it. And other people chimed in that it was none of our business to investigate it. Well, the rumor hit the floor somehow, that he had served time somewhere. So we investigated it. We found him on a public website. It's not a secret. Anybody can find his name, go to the right place, and you'll find out what he's charged for, how much time he's served. And the federal law says if a convicted felon goes back to work, he or she could not run for a union position until 13 years after their release from prison. Now, he bypassed that, whether it was the mistake by a local election committee 
by our local president, our plant chairman. Somebody screwed up. It wasn't us. They did the facts. Because of those facts, he was removed. We did not slander him. We did not put out fires against him. Even though one Friday night after my shift, I walked to the cafeteria for some reason and found his mugshot on the, the table in the cafeteria along with other flyers. Seeing that flyer, I took it, brought it home, and threw it away. I could have just left it there. No, I did not want his mugshot plastered over the plant. We did not do any of that. Um, we are prepared to fight back. And we are going to do what's right. We have no shame in what we did. We take a lot of pride in what we did. We made the local um, a little more respectable. Some of our politicians will deny that. That's because they don't understand the Constitution. That they are supposed to uphold when they take the oath of office. So, whine and cry all he wants. I don't care. They can come after me. I don't care. But by our submitting the facts on the case, that is why he was removed. And it had to be one of the two parties, either Dennis Williams or the Department of Labor. And I'm trying to find out which party removed him. We presented the facts. So I hope his supporters are listening to this show right now. Because I want you to think about it. Why was he removed? If we lied and and Dennis Williams, the Labor Department, uh, we were asking people, he would have still remained in office. But we presented the facts. And the facts hurt. So that's all I got, Leroy. Um, okay. We were getting uh, things together tomorrow to sign the letter. Uh, all right, uh, David. Do you have anything to add to uh, Jeff's report? Um, no, other than the right thing was done, and uh, somebody removed him from office, and they did it for cause. Um, or he wouldn't have been removed from office. Go ahead, Okay, thank you, David. Uh, I'll. Uh, uh, interject the fact that the uh, criminal record was verified on the internet. And there's uh, a uh, web uh, section under the Michigan State Police, under the state of Michigan, that is called ICHAT, I C H A T. Internet Criminal History Access Tool, iChat is the acronym. This tool 
is used by businesses statewide to do a background check on anybody that they are bringing into their company or they may find in their company for whatever reason and have a need to check iChat. It is very accurate and it is maintained by the Michigan State Police. This brother had an iChat record and any representation to include, as I understand it, a screenshot of his record not fabricated in any fashion, way, shape, or form, was sent in this appeal that Jeff made on the election itself. And that was not heard at the local union meeting because there was no support for it. However, the appeal was read and the election committee had to have heard it notwithstanding that they had been notified sometime several weeks prior to that of this criminal history it is a criminal history that is prohibited by federal law title 29 USC 504 that is copied verbatim into the election guide handbook for local unions. And if anybody is in violation of that, they may not hold office. And that's very clear in the election guide. Whether or not the election committee or the government or the IAB by and through Dennis Williams was the person or group or individual that removed this brother. He was removed for cause, not by anything that was fabricated. There was no slander or no intent to be meanful other than not to have someone prohibited from holding office holding office in our august union. This is not an attack on our union. We love our union. It is an attack on someone who is not eligible to hold office. And Jeff supported other people for the office. Section 481E is worth reading. That's Title 29 USC 481E. It says essentially that any retaliatory actions for supporting someone other than you in an election is prohibited by law. And all manner of Redress is available. Least we forget, violation of 504 
comes with a $10,000 and five-year prison sentence, depending on whoever the prosecutor is that's prosecuting it. And there's a term in law called de facto, you know, that seems to be appropriate and applicable in this case. So I don't know if I were in that situation, if I'd be raising so much sand after the fact. That's just a word, a kind word, to the brother that's in question here. Having said that, if anyone on this show has said anything that's fabricated, we now recant that in like kind. You go look that up and you'll find out what I just said. However, having said that, I can't think of anything that was ever said on this show or by any of my brothers or sisters in Local Union 3000 that was ever fabricated or of malintent or slanderous or liable. So uh, we'll we'll move on from that. That's all I have to say about your uh, situation there in Local 3000, Jeff. I'm sure there's more to follow, and I'm sure there's going to be some people not too happy with the more to follow. So uh, having said that, uh, David, I'm sure you have a nice report for us today. Yeah, Larry. Um, I'd like to um, give credit to Reuters, um, the news agency. Um, I used this article to disseminate information. Um, The article was printed on June 22, 2017 by columnist Martin Miller. Um, Speaks to um, Social Security COLA increase. Um, It'll be um, the highest increase um, since, uh, well, 2017 until 2016 were 3%, 0.3% bumps. Um, it's looking like inflation um, tends to point toward an increase of about 2%. Um, and that won't be, like I said, um, announced until October. Um, colas are determined by the Consumer Price Index for urban wage earners and clerical workers. Um, so um, that's how they uh, get the information to um, raise the call up. For a retiree who receives um, $1,360 a, a month in Social Security, the 2% would um, amount to $27.20. Um, but for most beneficiaries make from Social Security and the impact of Part B on net benefits next year will vary due to what is known as hold harmless provisions of governing Social Security. Um, By law, um, the dollar amount of Part B premiums um, cannot exceed the dollar amount of COLA. 
it's a feature that ensures that Social Security benefits won't fall um, below um, the increase. The hold harmless provision applies to 70% of the Medicare population enrolled in both programs. Those not held harmless include anyone delaying filing for Social Security benefits, but others affected include some federal, state, and government retirees. Affluent seniors who pay high-income Medicare premium surcharges are also not protected. Um, the COLAs that, uh, from the past two years, um, that were really low, 0.3%, are rare. Um, so, um, this is a pretty good increase. However, um, the care premiums will affect that. Um, I would like to say that um, at one time, um, UAW retirees got Medicare reimbursement. Um, the union um, decided that uh, they would make concessions and took that away from retirees. That was about you know, anywhere from around eleven to twelve hundred dollars a year out of a retiree's pocket. Um, the recent uh, um, flat colas mean that non-protected Medicare enrollees shouldered most of the burden of the rising Part B premiums. For the group, this jumped sharply in 16 and 17. This year, they're paying $134. These are non-protected people. Um, the people who are protected are paying about an average of $109 a month. Um, so, um, consider an example where the standard part pre B premium falls to $125. Um, the average Social Security beneficiary receiving 1360 monthly now faces a $16 increase in monthly Part B premiums, reducing the call off from 2720 to 1120. If they were receiving 2000 a month, they would receive a net monthly call of $24 instead of 40 So... There's going to be some effect there, um, but any increase is good. Um, so that's all I have on that, Leroy. Do you have any more to add to it? Um, uh, let me free. let me ask Jeff if uh, Jeff, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, we need to get Cola back for everybody. Uh, these retirees have taken a big hit since the concessions. Starting in 2005, um, prices were going up. Retirees have to pay more for health care or prescriptions. Uh, we need to give back them. And shame on Dennis Williams for not doing that. This contract. Okay, okay. thank you. Jeff? Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. Uh, David, I got a question. Uh, on the matter of uh, the calculation, is this under the new chain calculation, or is it the old 
average of the entire basket? It is the old um, CPI um, slash W. Um, they use the urban wage earners clerical workers index. So it's not chain CPI. Okay. That's that's good to know because chain CPI would be only taken in consideration the bottom twenty percent or so of the the old uh CPI. So that's good to know that it's under the new one. I'd like to point out though that uh this is um due to inflation or interest rises, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So interests are going up and uh, inflation's going up and cost of living is going up and and we're getting a portion of that cost of living uh, at the end of the year. Uh, and a lot of that's going to get taken back by the, the uh, uh, Medicare premium. So uh, that whole idea of inflation is uh, inflation creep. Uh, is something that is very concerning, and we should probably uh, really take heed to this because it uh, is going up. The Fed is increasing interest rates as well. The other thing I'd like to address in your report is the uh, idea of hold harmless. I think you and I discussed that earlier, uh, mm-hmm. and you had a question that I answered, and you're you're fully aware of what it is, and uh, you asked me to inform the listeners. If if that's okay, I'll, I'll expand on that for yeah. for your report. Yes, okay, yep. thank you, no David. Uh, 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 first of all, for those of you who may or may or may not know, I was the intervening plaintiff attempting to mitigate or stop the VEBA when it's it, during its inception. Uh, that began in 2005. Uh, during that time, because I had uh, some legal background, having interned at a law firm uh, in, uh, for about three years and did some unique things and all of that that you'll have to find out in other, other time. Um, because of that, the lead attorney, Mark Baumkell, would give me assignments during the VEBA that few people knew that I was doing. One of those assignments was to uh, research the whole notion of hold harmless and how we would be affected by that because the 82 pages that were sent to every member, retired member, telling us at every paragraph that it was going to diminish or delete our benefits, one of those that they intended to delete was the hold harmless clause. Now, I'll explain this, uh, because during my research, uh, I was assigned to, uh, in particular, research anesthesiologists, because they're a hidden medical uh, cost that typically was not uh, available or visible through the um, normal channels that you would see your own costs in. Uh, They were all 
to a uh, company out of network. Okay, that's important that they're out of network. And for the listeners listening, anytime that you're in a medical situation and you sign papers, you should always, this is our opinion, always, and it's substantiated by many benefit reps over my lifetime and experience, always put next to your signature only, only in-network providers. That makes the hold harmless clause that I'm about to explain. Uh, If an out-of-network doctor sees you, they can't uh, come in and do the hold harmless uh, matter with you. Now, uh, let's just say, and these are hypothetical numbers for the uh, purposes of illustrating hold harmless, that the anesthesiologist were to bill you $1,000 and your medical provider, insurance provider, uh, pay $400. That leaves $600 still owing. In the past, when you're, when you're an active worker still, and in the past when you were a retired worker, hold harmless was in effect. And they could not come back and charge you the $600 in what's called balance billing. They would bill you the balance directly. And that came from out-of-network doctors. In-network doctors agreed to accept the, the amount they're paid. Now, as you just heard David say, 70% of Medicare uh, people in Medicare are protected by the hold harmless clause. Whether in network or out of network, they are not allowed, they accept Medicare, so they're not allowed to come in and balance bill you that otherwise $600. During the VEBA case, because of the research that I did that was presented by and through attorney Mark Baumkill in Detroit, Bingham Hills, Bingham Farms, I guess it is, uh, in case you're trying to look him up because he's a pretty good lawyer. Um, we have never, in my experience, been balanced built as retirees for out of network. So I can't speak for everybody, but I've never been balanced billed. And they wanted to take that away from us in the VEBA. So I'm going to submit that in most cases, we are now in the hold harmless mode, uh, the retirees. There may be some people under 65 that might be, but I haven't come across that in my uh, dealings, and a lot of people talk to me about this. So uh, we're happy to report that most people, in most cases, have not been balanced billed, even though the 82-page document attempted to remove hold harmless and have us balanced billed by out-of-network doctors. I uh, have experience uh, 
with anesthesiologists. Uh, when you go in for a, uh, a procedure, you have to be put under, and uh, without getting too graphic, uh, you know, even the, some of the things that you think you don't need to be put under for, they still give you a full anesthesia. So, but I've never been balance billed by an anesthesiologist. So. Uh, that that is what hold harmless is, and I think we uh, vetted that properly in the VIBA, and uh, most people are protected uh, by that. So uh, didn't uh, become fact. Uh, so we're happy that that occurred. So that's what hold harmless is. That's what balanced billing is. It began in the year 2005 with uh, the beginning of the VIBA and the March 6th fairness hearing uh, where they subsequently affirmed the VIBA and the uh, VIBA number one that would uh, that would be identified as Henry one and then in Henry two they expanded it and removed the corporation completely from any responsibility and underfunded the VIBA. Uh, so and also uh, that same time frame was when they took the took back the uh, uh, reimbursement for Medicare insurance uh, uh, payments. Uh, so that now, at around $105-ish, uh, is something north of $1,200 a year, like 1260 uh, thereabouts, might be a little less than that, not much. Uh, so that's an increase in, in cost for retirees that we lost during the current uh, caucus that's uh, in leadership in the UAW. So having said that, is there any questions uh, on my expanded uh, report for David's report? David, do you have any questions to clear that up? No, qu no questions, but a um, couple of additions. Um, one will lead into your report. Um, the protected class of people are people who are drawing their Social Security currently. And the non-protected folks, a portion of them, are ones who have elected to not draw their Social Security. Um, there aren't very many um, UAW retirees that um, can afford to um, not draw their Social Security. And that's due to the fact that the concessions um, that were given to the corporation um, in regards to age creep now force um, retirees to draw at age 62. Um, not only are they forced to draw at age 62, that generates a 5% penalty for the rest of their lives. Um, so that's a pretty significant cut. Um, to have to take. Um, the last person I knew that got age creep, um, that was $18,000 to him. Um, he was the last retiree, retiree that I knew that was able to get it. Um, also, um, retirees um, haven't had an increase in their pensions in over a decade. Um, Typically, retirees um, would uh, purchase vehicles, particularly a lot of cars. 
um, when uh, times were hard and we were experiencing um, downturns in the automotive industry, retirees carried us by the purchases that they made for the automobiles that they bought. And that's gone now. And along with that is wage stagnation of the active hourly workforce. Um, About two weeks ago, I was in the city and just happened to want to cross-cut and go across um, a General Motors parking lot to get to the other side um, so that I could take another road. While I was going through this parking lot, I noticed something in the parking lot that wasn't typical when I was still employed. Um, most of the vehicles in that parking lot, a good share of them, are junk. Um, they don't even look like they should be on the road. That's a pretty good indicator. They can't afford to buy the product that they're manufacturing. And that's another issue um, for lack of sales. Retirees who can't afford to purchase, and hourly workers who can't afford to purchase the vehicles that they manufacture. The self-manufactured crisis by the corporation and the UAW in cooperation with each other have created this issue, and it needs to be corrected. That's all I got, Leroy. Okay. Well, I'd I'd, uh, myself refrain from using the word junk, but they certainly are uh, subject to a lot of recalls and uh, uh, warranty work. What I'm saying is these cars are old. They're, They're not new vehicles. By any means. Um, okay, so you're saying that the, lot, the, the park lot's filled with vehicles that are two and three years old, is what you're saying? <laughs> two or three years old? About a decade. Oh. Some of them. Yeah. Oh. That's what I consider okay. junk. Yeah, that haven't been sold. Okay. Well, I hope they get a chance to sell them. <laughs> I, I, uh, I go by there... Occasionally, and I, I noticed the lot moving up, you know, in, in numbers and down in numbers, and and uh, it's it's just always interesting to me to see it so packed full. I'm not talking. I'm, I'm I'm not talking about production vehicles. I'm talking about owned vehicles by the employees. Ah, now that okay, all right. Yeah, that clarified a lot. Yeah, thank you, David. The parking lot <laughs> used to be full of brand new vehicles. Shiny brand new automobiles purchased by our hourly active workers. And now, take a drive through the parking lot. Take a look and see what you see. It's it's indicative of employees who cannot afford to purchase the product they build. You can't imagine how many people don't own a car and take a ride share, Mm -hmm. Lyft, or Uber to work. Yeah, that's... I'm you know, sure that's bad. the case in some instances as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's occurring. Fact is, I'll I'll, I'll expand on that just a little bit. One of the apartment uh, buildings uh, downtown Lansing, in a high visible area right on the river, uh, has approximately 20% fewer parking spots for its residents than it has apartments in the building. And that 
is due to the younger people not even interested in purchasing a car to the degree that they now build fewer spots for the apartments where these younger people are going to be most likely be uh, living in. So uh, that's, a, that's a nuance that the developers are building into this. So we're going to have, you know, uh, an uphill battle uh, with this car sale stuff, and that's probably is what you're uh, uh, leading into mind about. But I want to get to Jeff and see if he has any more to add or questions about this hold harmless aspect that I expanded on David's report. Jeff, do you have anything? No, you did a good job. You're right. Okay, thank you. Well, we, we've been doing it for a while, and they're trying to do a good job on behalf of the membership and make sure mm-hmm. that they're not uh, being disadvantaged. Uh, exactly. Anyhow, uh, well, with with uh, both those reports uh, uh, done, I'll start mine. I uh, was interested to see that a uh, article came out on Thursday uh, saying that uh, the General Motors six uh, car lines that are in jeopardy, so many words. Uh, The GM cars at risk include the, and I quote, the Chevrolet Volt Hybrid, Buick LaCrosse, Cadillac CT6, Cadillac XTS, Chevrolet Impala, Chevrolet Sonic. Those are the six that were quoted as being at risk. Um, I uh, <laughs> uh, I can't help but get into the other aspect of this report because our UAW president on Thursday, July 20th, 2017, Dennis Williams, said, I quote, We are talking to GM right now about the products that they currently have at underused car plants such as Hamtramck in Michigan and Lordstown in Ohio and whether they may be replaced with newer, more popular vehicles such as crossovers. We are tracking it and we are addressing it, Williams said. Now, that's nice. That's real nice. Now, let's move back. Let's move back six months or so to February 7, where in General Motors' year-end conference call, and I love listening to these things and sort of kind of committing them to memory, and then when I need it, bring it back to the fore. On the... A transcript of this call. This is now going to be available on our uh, UA or dot com uh, under the radio notification section under uh, 2017 1723 or uh, 0723 uh, radio show work page. This will be published 
uh, right after the show uh, for all to see and review. Um, but the, the corporation, and I quote, year-end day supply is well-positioned at 71 days in line with our target of 70 days. Looking ahead to Q1, we expect aggregate dealer inventory levels to remain higher than a year ago as the industry remains strong and we built dealer stock ahead of our, quote, upcoming crossover launches. And inside quote. This is all quoted. Having said that, we will continue to manage inventories with discipline and take the necessary actions as demonstrated by our recent shift reductions to match current production and demand. And trucks and auto are, oh, they also said in another report, uh, an article, that the trucks and auto are out, out of balance, notwithstanding they have 71 days and only one day above their target of 70, trucks were only 15 days. Uh, cars remain the, the balance of that average. So they're selling the trucks extraordinarily, and they're not selling the cars so well. And they attempted to bring that in balance. Uh, in their uh, report of Thursday, uh, car inventory is now 75 days, four days higher, so their re report card on uh, managing the inventory is not all that good, uh, notwithstanding that they're running trucks crazy. Now, that's not to make the case to be out there shutting down any plants or reducing shifts from plants. It's now going to come to light as to the failures of both the corporation and the UAW. And I'm going to look at uh, a 20-year chart of the Standard & Poor 500. And I'm going to just go over this a little bit. And it's for your benefit, uh, the members. And as a criticism of those leaders, both the corporation and our UAW leaders now trying to take credit for having General Motors build more crossovers when they announced seven months ago that they were going to do this, six, six and a half months ago. The 20-year seven, seven, uh, chart uh, indicates that we had a high in two, March 2000, and then we had a low in uh, October of 2002. And that was approximately 20 months. Then it moved up and made another high in 2007, October 10th, 2007. And then it fell March 6th of 2009 was the low. Okay, about 19 months from top to bottom. This is important. The speed in which the market moved down 
from the 2000 to 2003 and from the 2007 to 2009 was plus or minus a couple of months from 20 months. From the low, uh, you'll, you'll see this chart on the on the web on our website. Uh, but you take a line across the high of 2000 and 2007 and draw that across there. That's really an important uh, line uh, in the way of support for what's about to occur in, in our opinion, but my opinion at least. Uh, from that uh, 2009, uh, it moved up. Now, forecasters, good forecasters, know that when you cross that artificial line that comes across the previous highs, that you're going to move up substantially more. And you can expect a lot of euphoria in the top side of a, a market. And you're going to sell a lot of high-end cars and trucks. And a good forecaster will know that you should probably begin to reduce your low-end cars and start to increase your high-end cars and trucks. And we knew at that time that trucks were very popular. And that crossed that line in March of 2013. And you would expect that a wise corporation in communication with wise union leaders would be discussing the model mix and changing that model mix to more high-end vehicles so that you could sell those and sort of reduce the lower-end vehicles and still just add a, a line to a, one of the or change a line to one of the existing sites and make those subtle changes where you'd have that done in six months or so, sometime, sometime by the end of 13. And now, here we are, all the way up, Dow Jones, and this is in the teaser, 21,681 was the high, I believe. And that rose from 6,660-something. Pretty much with little to no retracement. Now, what does that mean to all of us? That means that we're pretty close to a top in all of this, given that we've run up 15,000 points with little to no retracement. So the euphoria is out there. The stock market's going crazy. Anybody with money's buying these cars. Of course, our members, as David pointed out, don't have the buying power we used to have. And there are not many new cars in the parking lot, the employee parking lot. And this euphoria continues. And what are we going to do now? President Dennis Williams says... And General Motors say, let's cut auto production, the low end, let's cut it. Now remember, 
how long it took from the top to the bottom of the last two cycles from 2000 and 2007. 20-ish months. 20-ish months. Let's just say two years. Let's say two and a half years. We'll say this is such a large increase. We'll say two and a half years. The end of 2020. Why do you think in these reports they're targeting 2020? Because they, like many forecasters know, that sales are largely predicated by the euphoria or the lack of euphoria of the stock market. Because credit gets constricted when times get tight, they don't sell as many vehicles. However, the ones they will sell at the forecasted next low that everybody whether expressly said or implicitly said, and those will come sometime around the beginning of 2020. If you have a lot of large trucks that you just changed over at the euphoric portion of the market to trucks and SUVs, all of a sudden in the next two years, two and a half years, you're faced with a return to the baseline of this pattern, and you'll see it when you look at it. So I give you the little teaser, and I'll put a progression of number of things uh, of uh, what this chart looks like for you. And this is to demonstrate to you what some people can render out of a chart like this. I should mention that I also interned for a solid year at a wirehouse brokerage firm during my career. And on three years, either side of that, worked with the top large account trader for Prudential Beige. So this is an educated, although it be, albeit my opinion. But let's just say that in two and a half years or so, we return to that bottom. Are we going to be, if we change all of this now to high-end trucks and higher-end SUVs, are we? how are we going to be positioned two and a half years from now in 2020 when Dennis Williams is long gone after his political try to say, take credit for this changeover, the corporation's already announced it's going to do. Perhaps he ought to think about what he's doing and maybe consult with people that might be better forecasters than him. Because when this does turn around and inevitably return to the baseline for one last time, We don't need to be having large numbers of trucks, large numbers of SUV capacity. What we'll need is capacity for Sonics and Cruises or their replacements, because those will be the hot sellers 
in a constricted market. We need to be positioned for our best interest of our membership, not for somebody pandering trying to take credit in the short term for saving X, Y, and Z rather than have a long-term view. And I'm sick to death, sick to death of the leadership that's been done lately. You'll all see this, and this is in my opinion, but the forecasting information is there. You can see it. I'll give you a little insight as to what may occur. But for sure, at the euphoric position of one of the of the highest part of the stock market, it is not going to continue to go straight up. I don't care what anybody else says anywhere. It will not continue to go straight up. And we're watching a number of other indexes that give indication that um, this euphoria is term limited. Let's just say it kindly like that. No one has a crystal ball. All we can look at are the big mega cycles. And this cycle is about to turn. When it does turn, Without question, it's going back to the baseline. When that's going to happen, who knows? We know that the last two cycles were around 20, 20 months. Because of the magnitude of this cycle, it could take a little bit longer. The last thing we need to have is a pandering UAW president trying to take credit for changes to some crossovers that the corporations already decided they were going to do back in at the end of the year and announced it at their annual conference call and that information and the link will be available on our dot com. We wish the best for our members and we don't want in two and a half years or three years to be out of position like we are now. Because of somebody here and now making poor decisions. Having said that, that's the end of my report. And thank the brother who said, uh, please don't cut your report short. Brother, I uh, thank you. Uh, you know, said, I think, last week uh, that you want to hear my full extended report, and you'll you'll be able to follow along uh, on any podcasts uh, by checking out our uh, uh, .com, and we'll make a meme so that you can get to it easily and post that out. So uh, having said that, uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add to my report? No, sir. Okay. Thank you. Much appreciated. Uh, David? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. You were a UAW member for a long time. Still am. Um, yep. Um, in contract years, who cries wolf? Corporation. During convention years, who cries wolf? 
leadership of the UAW. Thank you. What comes next? For the benefit of all the members and listeners, what comes next, David? Concessions. No, no. Which which of those comes next? The convention. June of 2018. Contract That's won't correct. be until 19. So this pandering, posturing, is likely due to positioning, try to position for the convention of next year. That's what you basically just inferred. Is that correct? That's correct. Frightened members are compliant members. Yeah. Frightened members are compliant members. I just want you to know, brothers and sisters, that we have a sense for mega trends in the marketplace, and we don't want to be out of position during the next downturn and the low that's about to come in some time, but not not right away. It's going to take a while, for sure. But this, we're getting close to this. You know, the distance between the bottom and uh, uh, the two highs from 2000 and 2007 are just is just about equal to the position from that line to where we're at. And that means we're close. Nobody's got a crystal ball, but it means we're close. And this mega trend is about to end. It's just about to end. And the euphoria that's out there right now, everybody's saying, oh, the market's this and it's doing great. This is all about to change. Before too long, and you know the cycle's going to be maybe up to three years to the bottom from where we're at now. Who knows? But it will come. As sure as gravity exists and physics exists, it will come. And that's not to scare you; it's to help you position yourself and help the corporations that we represent the members in help them understand better that they aren't doing a good job. We don't run it. They run it. They made the decision to change the crossovers beginning of the year. Dennis Williams is now trying to take credit for it. I think, I think that's deplorable. We actually covered that on a show, two shows, back at the early part of the year. I covered it the week Sunday after the 7th, and then we had another call from a brother in Lordstown worried about when they really didn't have any impetus on the, when somebody pulled the end on court, usually there'd be a whole team of people there in seconds. Then it was just like, so what? You know, you know, they didn't care, and he was worried about that. And we told him it's model mix of trying to bring it back in line. That's one way of, of doing that. We covered it already. And now this guy is trying to come in and take credit for something already been decided. Deplorable, brother. <laughs> you better get some get some better salt somewhere because you're not doing too good. All right, that's the end of my report. Anything else, fellas? Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add at all? Anything? No, no, sir. Okay. No. David. Yeah, Jeff, did you have something guys. or not? 
Yeah, oh. you guys at the beginning of the... Jeff, don't have nothing? No. Okay. Um, at the beginning of the show, you guys kind of broke me up a little bit talking about Teresa. I'm able to speak about that now. Um, Teresa was a very um, good union member. She tried to bring a lot of good information to a lot of people, and she was very good at it. Um, we're going to miss her. And um, not only will we miss her, um, a lot of other people will too. Um, she actually was an admin on another page, and she was very valuable to them when she admins their page. And uh, so um, I'd like to say goodnight to Teresa. And uh, wish the best for her family. That's all I got, Larry. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's just say last call to Teresa. Here's to you, girl. Uh, yep, cheers. Okay, uh, having said all of that, um, uh, we, we miss you, girl, uh, a lot. Uh, and having said all that, uh, let's wrap up the show. Uh, as you know, our email is working for a living at working for a living. Uh, you can send us an email anytime. Uh, you can send personal messages. We try to respond to those as quickly as quick as you can as quickly as we can when it comes time to some member that's in distress we uh, do try to assist as best we can uh, and get get to you as as soon as possible so that it doesn't just sit around and uh, fester because anybody's problem is a real problem Aristotle said uh, perceived problem is a real problem and uh, you need to address those as soon as possible uh, so we try to do that for you. I uh, want to shout out to all of our uh, friends and listeners and members globally. We have one brother that's in Ireland, actually, <laughs> participates from time to time. Uh, but all of our friends, listeners, and, and members globally, those across the United States, all of our local unions, brothers and sisters, working for the UAW especially, listening in, thank you. Uh, to our uh, brothers and sisters in Canada and in Mexico that listen in. Uh, also to all of our sister unions throughout the country, those affiliated with the AFL-CIO and not affiliated with the AFL-CIO. We, we're here to try and support you. Uh, I want to go back to the one email. I can think of no higher compliment than to say thanks and kudos to us uh, for being the champions of the working class. Thank you very much. We try to be insightful, uh, forward-looking in our representation of the members as best we know how and how we present this to you. Uh, we're not here to scare anybody, but we want you to be aware of your relative position stochastically, there's a word for you, in this uh, day and time of our economy and here in the United States. Uh, so having said that, uh, we wish the listeners uh, a good next week, safe and be happy and have some fun. 
Uh, and with all of that, good night, listeners. Good night, David and Jeff. Good night, everybody.